In this new episode, we're going to look at two ill-matched characters. A very elegant lady who loved helping other people and who was fond of jewellery, and a bright and clever politician who was fond of the very young, both male and female. Welcome, you're listening to For Better and For Worse, a podcast dedicated to the most unexpected and thrilling wedding stories. Each of our characters have their own lives and their own secrets. You are about to discover Lulu and Mary's story, also known as Viscount and Viscountess Harcourt. In the early hours of February 24th, 1922, the whole of London could be found gossiping on the edge. Lulu was dead. It seemed that the 59-year-old may have taken an overdose of sleeping pills. But the police and the coroner did not concur on the cause of his death. Suicide or something else? We'll never know for sure. But for the last time in his troubled life, he had appeared on the front page of the Times newspaper. Unfortunately, Viscount Harcourt, nicknamed Lulu, was well known to be a sexual predator towards both men and women. Accused of attempt rape on a young boy and on a friend's daughter, his life was punctuated by hushed-up scandals. Of tall and slim built, Viscount Harcourt belonged to one of the oldest English noble families. Although his family lived in Oxfordshire, their name derived from a town in Normandy at the time of the Norman conquest of England. Lulu was the only surviving son of famous politician Sir William Vernon Harcourt and his first wife, Theresa Lister. He never knew his mother, who died the very next day after giving birth to him. He moved in the very highest social and political circles long before he began his public career, but he never managed to escape the shadow of his strong father. Convinced that influence, intrigue and manipulation were the key to power, he managed to get himself appointed first to the position of First Commissioner of Works and later to the post of Secretary of State for the Colonies. However, he was not made Viceroy of India after Lord Curzon resigned from the post. Harcourt had an impish sense of humour, poking irreverent fun at anyone and anything, had a wide range of interests and was a sought-after dinner guest. He met Mary Ethel Burns, a charming and wealthy young Anglo-American lady who was ten years younger than him. 
daughter of the millionaire banker Walter Hayes Burns and his wife Mary Lemon Morgan, Mary was a tall, good-looking woman with dark hair and fine bright eyes. She was described as charming with a bright intelligence. In July 1899, they were married at Westminster Abbey. Although the wedding was more private than public, 800 guests attended the reception later in the afternoon. The bride was wearing an ivory satin wedding gown made with a long court train draped with Brussels lace and natural orange flowers under a lace veil. Her only adornment was a lovely string of pearls gifted by her uncle, the famous banker Mr. J.P. Morgan. The couple received about 600 presents, many of them being of great value. Sometime before the wedding, Mary's parents had accompanied their daughter to Maison Boucheron, the historical jeweler of the Burns family, so that she could compose her wedding basket. As a doting father, Walter Burns wanted his daughter to have the most beautiful trousseau ever seen and urged her to choose and order all the jewels she dreamed of. Mary wrote to her future mother-in-law, we are dressmaking madly. She chose the most exquisite jewels and sparkling stones. One of the items she ordered for her corbeille de mariage was an aigrette. Another was an impressive diamond fleur-de-lis tiara composed of 11 marquise diamonds weighing a total of almost 40 carats and worth 150,000 gold francs. Both items were delivered in January 1899. She also bought 28 diamonds at Boucheron in order to have a bespoke Riviera necklace created for her. These diamonds were very special. They had been bought by her grandfather and had come from Empress Eugenie's hair comb that had been sold 12 years earlier. In fact, in 1887, the French Republic had decided to destroy all symbols of the monarchy and thus proceeded to sell all the French crown jewels at auction. The 28 graduated all mine cut diamonds together weighed approximately 65 carats. The Harcourts were members of London's high society and also friends of King Edward and Queen Alexandra. So Mary needed the right jewellery to complete her outfits for various events. She became a loyal Boucheron client, commissioning an extraordinary number of pieces, including tiaras, necklaces and bracelets throughout her lifetime. To give you some idea, in a period spanning less than five years, between 1920 and 1925, Mary ordered four tiaras alone. A ruby and emerald tiara had been specially created by Boucheron in 1903 and 1904 for Mary's mother. And when Mary inherited them, she asked the Maison to transform them into something lighter. Both were delivered in January 1920. The most spectacular and famous piece is undoubtedly the tiara with seven emeralds worn by Mary at the coronation of King George VI in 1937 and worn later by her daughter at the coronation of Elizabeth II 
1953. The ceremony at Westminster was by far and away the most impressive of the 20th century. Mary, although discreet in her day-to-day -day life, was delighted to be given the opportunity to wear her jewellery. Given the exceptional occasion and keen to embrace the atmosphere of excess and extravagance, she wore several diamond bracelets, two diamond Riviera necklaces, one longer than the other, a diamond choker, a pair of pendant earrings, and the emerald and diamond tiara made 17 years earlier by Boucheron. This event was one of the last Mary attended as she decided to dedicate the rest of her life to the American colony in England between the two world wars. She worked hard as a volunteer for the St. John Ambulance Brigade, helped to found several hospitals, and was president of the American Red Cross in London. She died on January the 7th, 1961. As a passionate jewelry collector, she would have been happy to know that her magnificent Boucheron orders have not been destroyed or forgotten. Some of them, like the emerald and ruby tiaras, or the Riviera necklace made from the French crown diamonds, were subsequently sold at auction, enhancing the private or public collections of true jewellery lovers. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this true Boucheron story, and we look forward to releasing the new episodes about the most unexpected and thrilling wedding stories.